This episode is brought to you by Estec Insurance. Estec Insurance provide friendly, expert advice on a wide range of insurance services for businesses, startups, and everyone in between. With specialisms in science and technology, Estec work with you to create a tailored insurance package, making sure you're protected against whatever might come next. Plus, Estec offer a 10% discount to all Bradfield Centre members. So visit estec.co.uk or call 01 223 Welcome to Inside the Bradfield Centre. I'm James Parton, Managing Director of the Bradfield Centre. And I'm Adelina Chalmers. I'm known as the Geek Whisperer because I help engineers decode other people. Joining us today is Bruno Cotter, who is the Executive Director of the Entrepreneurship Centre at Judge Business School. to hearing what uh, Bruno has to say about what they're planning to do in 2021 because this year has suddenly been quite strange. Yeah I'm really looking forward to talking to Bruno today especially because he's here with us in the room which is always nice to see people in in person Um, and I'd like to find out more about the programs that Judge is offering and uh, the kinds of uh, teams and people that are taking advantage of those programs. Welcome to the Inside the Bradfield Centre podcast. Can you please tell us a little bit about your background and career journey so far? Thanks, Adelina. Uh, pleasure to be here. Um, I, I guess I, I started out um, in, in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, when I did engineering. Uh, so that's my sort of educational background. Um, I was sponsored by a, a UK company at the time called Standard Telephone and Cables, um, they, they've developed into other companies uh, since, but they were one of the pioneers of optical fibre communication, uh, amongst other things, um, and sponsored to study engineering at Imperial College in, in London, again, a particular place uh, interested in that technology at the time. Um, so that's where I started out. I suppose I could say I was in at the deep end in more than one way. Um, the the company's submarine systems division was the place that I landed in. Um, and this is about laying uh, cables, telecommunications cables um, on the seabed, whether that's across the Atlantic or other um, uh, rivers and oceans and so on. Um, so that was my initial uh, development as an, an industry-sponsored student, if you like. Uh, I then went on to work in startups, um, smaller companies and other larger firms. Uh, I guess the last thing I did in, in that sector was with um, Bell Labs, uh, the US company, again, pioneers in, in many different technologies, laser technology, other things like that. Um, and, uh, and then I suppose that took me to about 2001, 2002, which if for those of us that remember that time, you know, massive change in the technology industry and the market. Um, I decided to then go, um, go a little bit different in terms of from technical to managerial interest, uh, stopped to do my master's, the MBA. Um, and then I joined um, the equivalent, I guess, of Cambridge Enterprise, which is uh, Imperial Innovation. So Imperial had this technology commercialization company in the university. Government was... Um, investing more in 
business university interaction. Um, so I joined that company. They then went on to IPO, which is quite unusual in the sector. Um, and uh, when, when they did that, I stepped back into the university, this time as a member of staff, um, running the enterprise strategy group there. Uh, this is looking at decision-making around how we partner internationally, how we might improve entrepreneurship and innovation in, in the ecosystem in that particular location. Um, and then the last thing I did before coming to Cambridge uh, was to found what's now called the Enterprise Lab. So in effect, it's an entrepreneurship center, but one that embraces the whole of that university ecosystem, uh, which was great to do that. I took a break after that, and then the role came up here um, in, in Cambridge at the business school. So uh, what's the Cambridge experience been like for you? How long has it been now? Two years? Uh, it, 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 it will be two years in January. Okay, yeah, that's um, been pretty good then. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I, I came up late uh, 2018. Yeah. In fact, I was due to go abroad um, in my previous role in, in setting up the Enterprise Lab. I had gone um, around the world, actually, East Coast, West Coast, Asia, other parts of Europe, in order to kind of inform what we were going to do. Um, and at that time, it was around 2016, I think, um, Harvard had started their iLab. Uh, there are a number of other examples of people putting physical space around entrepreneurship yeah. in a way that had not been done before. Um, and so, yeah, I was about to go out to Singapore, uh, one of those ecosystems that I had visited. Um, and, uh, and the offer came through from Cambridge just before Christmas. I think at the time, we were literally going to Heathrow Airport and, and they were saying that this, um, there was a drone invasion of some kind you might remember oh, this that, that was at gatwick yeah it shut the airport and so down. it shut yeah, the airport yeah, yeah, a whole yeah. load of people ended up going to heathrow and so in all that confusion i opened up an email and it said oh we'd love to have you at the entrepreneurship center mm. i've done my interview in november so that's how i landed here um and uh it's it's gone very well i mean i i have three academic co-directors which is something i is unusual for me but one of the reasons i wanted to, to come and um uh, the, the three of them each have a very different perspective on their research interests. So one is really interested in new product development and decisions made around that. The other in social change um, through entrepreneurship. Uh, and another innovation strategy and how you implement that in, in, in larger organizations. Oh. So with my own interest being sort of how do you mix, I guess, scientific technology interest with managerial competency. And I've done some work around that in, in the past as well. Um, the four of us... Uh, are heading up the, the centre. And they actually arrived from the US, I think, six to nine months before I did. Right. So we've, we've got to know each other in the last year and a half, two years. Uh, and of course, Stelios, my, uh, the, the main academic uh, director, has been in Cambridge for, for several years. Oh. So he really does understand both the centre and where it's come from and where he would like to, to, to take it. Um, so yeah, it's gone very well. We, we, um, we've got about four key areas, including the research is at the heart of everything that, that they, they do and that, that we do. We try to bring as much of that insight into the classroom as possible. Um, but then my responsibility now is to look across the other areas uh, where we provide some support offer. One in education, which uh, you, you know about, um, enterprise tech being one of those features where we engage with the university community, the er very early stage innovators and entrepreneurs there. Yeah. It's fantastic fun working with that uh, community. Um, Enterprise Tuesday, which I think has been running in Cambridge for many years. Oh. Uh, I used to see that from a distance when I was down in London. Um, and that's our outreach, really, to the community again. Oh. Uh, and, and you see such a broad mix of people and interests come into those exchanges. And this year, that's gone online. 
uh, given yeah. the environment that we're in. Um, but it's so far gone very well. We've, we've included some interesting topics around, around sectors that we maybe don't explore as much, the creative industries, arts, mm. and so on. Um, our main venture activity is the second sort of pillar of what we do. Um, and Accelerate Cambridge is the heart of that. So that's our people accelerator, if you like, really focusing on leadership and management yep. skills for those entrepreneurs as they build their companies. Um, and Ignite is another thing that's been running for many years in Cambridge. I, I was pleased last year to help celebrate the 20th anniversary of that program. Mm. And there we see people coming from outside Cambridge and outside the UK uh, to, in, a, in a boot camp setting, yep. looking at their, the next stage of their venture uh, development. Um, and then the third of the of the areas that we've got is around growth. So in essence, looking at um, supporting management teams who have already built their businesses. Yep. You know, they've got healthy turnover. They've probably done more than one product or service. Um, but the next challenge for them is to grow. And yep. as we all know, the UK, you know, is in, in, in dire need, really of companies that will scale and grow and, yeah. and establish themselves at scale. And is that that's across any kind of vertical, not just technology companies? That's, that's right, yeah. yeah. I mean, as you know, in Cambridge, the, the, the two kind of strands, I guess, um, of, of interest and capability are broadly around tech and life sciences. Yeah. But if you actually look beyond that, um, both in the region around Cambridge, but also in the rest of the UK, and even in Europe and, and beyond, we do get some participants now coming from outside the UK. Yeah. And, and we've also gone online again there. So that's changed the dynamic of who we can reach yeah. in a program like that. Although it's a challenge to have um, you know, a classroom setting over a, a Zoom call, yeah. um, it, it's worked so far. And we've been encouraged actually at the other end of the scale with our very early stage uh, students coming out of the university particularly, um, that they are just naturals at getting online yeah. and assuming that the workshop is going to be that way uh, and, and so on. Of course, there's a limit to that, yeah. uh, but that they've grown up with that. So it's not such a big change for them as it might be for perhaps an executive who really has always done his or her business, you know, face to face over a meal, yeah. you know, in, in a setting that's much more uh, human from, from my personal perspective, as you, as you know, we're, we're doing this now face to face yeah, as it were yeah. I, I would love to do this that way for anything as opposed to remotely there's something that you don't quite get yeah. when doing business remotely I think I mean like you say I think it's it's challenging as we all learn to adapt to more virtual interaction but uh, I guess it has opened up opportunity to broaden the reach that you have with the brand and uh, am I right to assume that I guess you can actually service more people and, you know, increase the, the, the kind of cohorts that you take through the programs? Or is it still based on the kind of ratio to tutors? And has uh, that changed at all? Um, it depends on what you're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, I, I, for, for some things where you're trying to get interaction mm -hmm. in, in group settings, um, you know, you can have now many, many breakout rooms online, yeah. uh, more than you could have done in, in the building. Yeah. Um, but then you've got to manage that and supervise that and, and chaperone that often. And yeah. that gets really hard from a facilitator's point of view. Yeah. Um, so for the participants, it works if they're in the room with just the right people and there's chemistry there. Mm. But chemistry over Zoom is, is hard yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some fascinating technology coming out now where, you know, if you're not looking at the, it directly at the screen in the eyes of the other person, um, then, you know, uh, some, some AI, in effect, mm. will... Uh, organize that so that at the other end it looks as though you are looking straight at that person and so eye-to-eye -eye contact is really hard to do mm. uh, on remote zoom calls or any other platform um, so if we can solve those kinds of problems with tech yeah i think then the personal experience will slowly come back uh closer to what you'd experience as we're doing right now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
So you mentioned the growth part of your your work where you're helping <clears throat> you're supporting management teams of companies that already have good profit etc can you tell us a bit more about that because I, I hadn't heard about you myself um, yeah it's one of the newer things that the entrepreneurship center has started um, my academic director Stelios um, ha- and, our, and our current uh, dean as well um, started this program a few years before I joined um, and I think the, the the driver has been you know, there, there are certain things in the mindset of the entrepreneur that have to change during their journey um, from being, let's say, a founder and trying to find a co-founder at the very early stages through to becoming a CEO for the first time, despite the fact that the company might have, you know, three, maybe three to 30 people, let's say. Yeah. And then when you go beyond that from the 30 to, let's say, 300 scale, all of that changes again. For, so from that individual's point of view as the CEO they then have a very different role to play and maybe they're not even the right person for that role and other people have to play that role and they they take a different role. So what I've noticed certainly in the last um, two years or so, just spending more time with the entrepreneurial community that we have, the very early stage guys and girls, um, that they they experience that change hugely when you're going from from that level of responsibility all the way through to to an executive level. And then there's, there's another dynamic that comes in, which is... Um, the management team. You're, you've then probably got a board, you've got advisors, there's a whole host of other things that you need to contend with, uh, as well as the business running itself, and, 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 and then of course whether you wish to grow or not. And a, a lot of the companies that we've ended up working with on that program didn't necessarily recognise the opportunity for growth, and neither were they that driven towards it, because they'd almost reached a plateau where the company was doing pretty well, there's revenue coming in, perhaps you make some changes due to the changes in the market, you're obviously always trying to retain some sort of competitive advantage. Um, But now, in the current environment, just one example this year, um, they have been forced to think about not just uh, recovery, but growth. Uh, because that's the only way they're actually going to be able to sustain themselves. So it's very interesting across all sectors that we've seen that appetite now for uh, management teams at that level to think very carefully about how they execute growth um, and, and maybe even do it completely differently to the way that they have previously done it. And I think that, that crosses the board, in whether it's tech, life sciences or, mm. or other industries. And is that done in cohorts or with each company individually? Or uh, how does this... How sure. is delivered? Yeah, it's done in a cohort. We try to keep it relatively modest. Um, we invite uh, typically two people as a minimum to be in the, in the classroom setting. Up to four from the company's management team uh, can be there. And then somewhere between seven and ten companies in total so that you're, you're, you get enough time to understand their particular condition at the beginning of the process. And they come in on a, on a you know, a, a three or four modules. So effectively, you're there for a couple of days, you then take a break, you try to digest what you've learned, perhaps even have an opportunity to, to apply it at some level. Um, and over a period of three to four months, the, the program then uh, concludes. And then actually, it's a conclusion of the program. But then beyond that, for six to nine months afterwards, we then keep in touch with that company and the team. Yeah. to just see how things have actually gone. You know, did you actually execute the things that you came up with in the classroom setting? Uh, and, and even now we're getting companies coming back to say, maybe a year or two later, um, I need a refresher or I yeah. need to go back to that particular issue around uh, the growth plan uh, and can you help me do that as well? So it's nice to see that uh, coming through. 
Uh, it's a challenge for those companies because when they're in that classroom, they're not running the business. Yeah. And so that becomes a, a, an even bigger challenge for, for companies at that stage, management teams at that stage. And we try not to work with individuals in that program because it's all about the management team yeah, and how they work. It's more of a... Yeah. So, so on the demand side of things, I'm, I'm kind of curious to understand, are most of the teams coming... Are they kind of self-aware that they need support and therefore enroll on a program like this? Or is it their investors that are maybe suggesting that, you know, to get to the next stage of growth, they need to go through these kinds of programs? Yeah, yeah. How does that work? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's often the case that there is a champion. There's some protagonist there that might be the CEO or it might actually be somebody on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, there's, an, there's an offshoot of what, we had, of what Stelios had started um, some time ago as a growth program, which has been developed for Barclays. Right. Now, in that case, the, the Barclays Bank effectively are identifying their clients where they have a vested interest in them achieving growth. And they will then support those companies and those management teams to come on a, uh, on a version of the same program, yeah. um, where, again, it's a third party, in effect, helping them to recognize or become aware of the fact that they could grow uh, further mm. uh, or that their c- current growth plan is you know, maybe not ambitious as it could be. Mm. Um, so you're right. It, it's not often the, the core team that realize this until they're in that setting um, or it's something that comes up in day-to-day business and then they realize that there's a program that actually could uh, immerse them in this whole question of growth mm. um and and we'll see how it goes i mean it's difficult to we, i think in the barclays program uh there, there are tens of companies that have been uh, been through the program um over the last couple of years um and uh, of course there are other programs around the uk also focusing on scaling up yeah uh, it's yeah. one of our biggest challenges starting up is yeah. po- possibly yeah. a lesser challenge yeah Just to pause the conversation a second and tell you a little bit more about the changes we're making at the Bradfield Centre, we now offer a whole range of new flexible membership packages which support home workers, hybrid home working blended with access to high quality office space and meeting room hire by the hour. Starting from as little as £45 per month, visit bradfieldcentre.com for more information or call 01223 919 600. How do you see the role of the entrepreneurship centre within the, the, you know, the local Cambridge ecosystem around technology and life sciences? You know, kind of what role do you see the uh, the entrepreneurship centre playing there? Um, I think that having been here now for for you know coming up to, to two years, um, but before I before I got here, um, there was something that our pro vice chancellor for for business and enterprise, Andy Andy Neely. Yeah. Um, wrote and i think that was that just about a year or so before i i came to cambridge and he wrote about decoding the entrepreneurial ecosystem you know working out what what what's the makeup of cambridge because it's a particularly interesting place mm. um and i think there were sort of four four key areas he he spoke about in, in that in that blog of his um you know the science base which has been here for many many years uh rich history there um the skills and capability piece for Cambridge, which I think is actually where we are focused. So yeah. that's my that's really my interest. Um, and then, of course, space, facilities, um, capital, finance, um, and networks. 
the idea that in some way there's something very special about the way the, the place works in terms yeah. of people connecting with each other. So for me, the Entrepreneurship Center focus is really that second one. Uh -huh. It's about talent development and skills. And it's not just um, the technical skills that um, you know, are, are commonplace in, in Cambridge. It's actually the managerial skills that are on top of that, that allow you to go from your you know, engineering degree as I, I did, or, or science activity that somebody else might be doing, um, and extend your reach and capability by having a set of management skills that maybe you, you don't have, yeah. um, but you definitely need to yeah. be able to turn something from an idea and get it into market. I guess you see that gap all the time, Adelina, in your kind of day-to-day -day work. That's, <laughs> yes. why, that's why you do what you do, right? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking also when um, when you said decoding the local, you know, I was thinking, yeah, that I literally decode people. So <laughs> it was really interesting. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, I found it interesting in Cambridge, particularly uh, in the postgraduate community. So those people that have really spent, you know, a long time in, in you know, deeply immersed in the scientific endeavour that's, mm -hmm you know, dr driving their, their research, um, then having to make that step um, to work with others in a team, to, to think any, anything along the lines of something that might be called a business plan, you know, um, and then, of course, commit time, energy, effort to that whole process where the outcome is completely uncertain, <laughs> you know? Um, That's what my customers struggle with, the fact that they can't zero one zero one predict the outcome. <laughs> Uh, and, and so that's fascinating because what we see if they stick at it and, you know, and, and go through that journey um, with the same determination that they applied in terms of their scientific interest and passion um, in, a, in a sort of commercial setting or whether it might even be a social enterprise. But the fact is it's a different environment in which they're not comfortable. Um, and, and you see that transition and you see them grow. And when they s s show satisfaction in that, um, in creating some impact, from the work that they uh, really understand better than anybody else, that's really satisfying for us as people to supporting that journey. Wow. So I find a lot of satisfaction with 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 those individuals who, um, you know, otherwise would would not take anything out of their research lab, mm. um, and they're able to apply it and see the fruits of that it makes a big impact either in society or economically or both, um, and then they go on to do it again, many of them, yeah. which is even better. Yeah, they caught the bug. The entrepreneurial bug. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, this, this year we've seen so many of our uh, early stage entrepreneurs and the more mature um, address COVID by, you know, pivoting mm. in terms of what they've been focused on to, to apply the technology of the platform that they've got in a different way mm. or by just stopping and trying to help. Yeah. Mm. Um, and there's that s sense of, of uh, passion in, in Cambridge that, that I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying being around people like that. Uh. I'm glad you mentioned that one of the CEOs that actually runs a, a platform um, that I know early in the COVID days, he literally hired a 3D printer and started printing um, shields for NHS staff because NHS staff didn't have enough. And I just thought he literally put his business on hold to make that happen. Yeah. And I just thought, you don't get that in... Yeah. other parts of the country. Really, one you know, of our young um, entrepreneurs, uh, she contacted me just as things were kicking off and said, oh, I feel that we should do something. Uh, for example, you mm. know, um, manufacturing some PPE or putting yeah. together other um, equipment because uh, they had the skills to, to do it. But I'm a bit concerned that, you know, I'm going to be distracting myself from building my company. Mm. And I said, well, are you passionate about doing this? Because that's, the reason to do it and you can still keep your company going um and she's managed it 
Wow. Uh, so, so, you know, you see examples like that. Uh, in that particular case, she'd co-founded a, a company with, with someone in the medical profession mm. here in Cambridge at Addenbrooke's. Um, and, uh, and so they really had all the skills and knowledge to help. Yeah. Uh, and with that same entrepreneurial drive, they were able to do something completely outside their, um, you know, uh, pursuit for their, comp- their own company. But it then gave them that much more encouragement and strength to then go back and pursue, you know, a challenging environment for their own company mm. uh, in, in the middle of COVID. And hopefully we, we're, we're, you know, beginning to come out of this now. So, I mean, we have quite a few listeners to the podcast outside of Cambridge, uh, which is nice. Um, so we always try to kind of spend a little bit of time trying to describe what Cambridge is like, you know, for someone that doesn't spend their time here today today. Um, I think we kind of touched on some of that already. Um, I think certainly from the university and business school perspective, I would have thought one of the things that you guys see a lot is the, you know, with the influx of the international students and the diversity that that brings and the fact that so many of them actually stay post studies and stay in Cambridge and kind of contribute back into growing the kind of the diversity of thought and the, and the kind of the diversity of the workforce to go out and become entrepreneurs or to join these early stage businesses. That's certainly a big thing for me, but, um, you know, what do you, I mean, you're kind of two years in, I'm four years in, I think. Um, so I still feel quite a, kind of new to the ecosystem. Yes. So how would you kind of describe what makes, you know, Cambridge unique or, or special? That's a good question. I, I think you're right that, um, the diversity of interest here, um, it, it certainly makes a, a huge difference. Um, and in particular, if those people have come from different cultural backgrounds, uh-huh. and that might be a different country, it might just be a different part of the UK. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I've worked in London, I have colleagues in, in Oxford, another, you know, uh, strong ecosystem in terms of entrepreneurship. Um, and, and there are others in, in Europe and elsewhere. Um, I think that that mix, both of disciplines, and also cultural setting, um, helps us enormously, because you're able to have a different perspective in the room when you've got a challenge in front of you. Yeah. Uh, so that multidisciplinary or even interdisciplinary working that you get when you put, you know, great scientists from different areas together, that's one advantage that we have here. Uh, the second one is when you get, um, uh, you know, uh, people who are uh, competent in management and have understood how to build a company before mixing with those people. And so the thing just gets even better. Yeah. Um, and, you're, you're right. Ignite, as I mentioned, has been running for 20 years. A large proportion of those people are coming from abroad. I mean, in the days when we were doing it face to face, they were traveling all the way to Cambridge for just one week. Yeah. And we, we, I've met, you know, people who had started on the first cohort of that program 20 years ago who remember that one week mm. and that experience in Cambridge. Uh, and it wasn't just in the workshops and in the tutorials and the mentoring and coaching. It was actually walking around the town. Uh-huh. And looking at some of the historical um, things that have happened in Cambridge, which yeah. have pushed forward a scientific frontier or pushed forward a business frontier. Um, so for me, that's really exciting. I think that's something very long lasting and we should treasure that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we've had, uh, we've obviously interviewed a number of Bradfield Centre members on the podcast and, you know, a couple have called out that have come from overseas specifically mm. to base their businesses in Cambridge. Yeah, from Just, China, from Spain. Yeah, absolutely. Just, I mean, because of the, I guess, the Cambridge brand, but also the quality of life and the, the feeling of the ecosystem, the supportiveness of it. It's 
quite special, I think. Yes. And also access to incredible people and mm. everything. And the, 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 one of the biggest challenges you, you just mentioned um, is, is finding the right people mm. for the organization that you're trying to build if you're, if you're starting up. Uh, and, and more than any other question that I've had when I you know, walk out of the center, and hopefully we will again sooner, we're now all very remote, um, is, is that I'm looking for somebody with these skills or that capability and I can't find them. Yeah. And you think, well, goodness, if that's still a challenge in Cambridge, imagine the challenge elsewhere. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. So, um, Bruno, how are you working with the Bradfield Centre? Well, um, I think I met James uh, about a year back when uh, sort of halfway through my, my initial introduction to, to Cambridge. And it was coincidental that we, like, we met here at the Bradfield. You were telling me about what you were doing. Um, I think I glanced across at one of the slides I remember where you were thinking about setting up a, an event later that in that year around yeah, MedTech. Tech boost, yeah, yeah right. and I said, well, why don't we do that together? Why don't we get involved? Um, and that, that was really the trigger point for me getting to know what was going on at the Bradfield in, in more detail. Uh, we ran that event. I think it was very successful. Yeah. We had partners from uh, around the region as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, well, just uh, last week, um, we've taken ownership of a small office here at the Bradfield. So we, we've become part of this community. And, and one of the reasons that I wanted to do that um, was to be present in the ecosystem because... You know, we have a wonderful building in Trumpington Street. It's a fantastic, you know, iconic building. It's business school. We have our own facility there. But really speaking, um, we're, we're in one building. And, and entrepreneurship doesn't happen that way. Uh, innovation doesn't happen in just one building these days. Yeah. Uh, perhaps in, you know, days gone by, it may have done in the large corporate R&D setting. And I've worked in some of those companies. Um, so for me, um, working with the Bradfield is about being part of a community that, that you've built here. Um, and if you like creating some serendipity, <laughs> because if you're not there at the time that that person happens to walk past and introduce you to so-and-so, things don't happen. Yeah, um, and you might be able to construct a little bit of that online. Uh, it's possible. But really speaking, when you literally bump into somebody um, who's interesting or interested in you, uh, great things can happen. Mm. And, and I, I think that the Bradfield Centre has really uh, encapsulated that in the spirit of the place as well. You know, you've, you've remained open largely throughout this whole yep. pandemic. Um, that's allowed people the freedom to come and go safely um, and still keep contact with each other. And that's really important for me and, and the team as well. I'd like the team to come and go uh, now physically here uh, as well as perhaps other locations around Cambridge, you know, in the north, um, west and so on. Um, we, we we benefit we can only benefit by being co-located uh as as much as possible yeah um and, and your you know uh, the team here is very welcome to come over to the to the judge once we're opened up again yeah um, i was actually coming over I, I tried to come over at least once a month and just sit in the entrepreneurship center and just work from there for the day because exactly in the reverse of you just described you just get to meet the people bump into people yeah. you know have good conversations um i think over the years we've seen a lot of teams like you know graduating from your programs and taking office space here um, I think there's a nice synergy between Enterprise Tech and the Trinity Bradfield Prize because a, a lot of those teams yes. apply for the Trinity Bradfield Prize. And in fact, one of the winners, Iso Taggett, um, I think have, have come through that program. 
Um, so we do a lot of work with Rebecca there on that program, which is fantastic. So, yeah, I think the, the connective tissue is really strong, which is great to see. Yeah. And I, I mentioned, you know, Andy's interpretation of the ecosystem and the, the elements of that um, uh, earlier. And I, and I was thinking about this coming up here. Um, you know, we said science, skills, space, capital, networks. And in the background, there's a certain culture there that makes that work. Um, and I think there's plenty of room for us together with, with you and with others in the ecosystem uh-huh. to, you know, sort of do this, do all of those things together as opposed to just in silos. Yeah. Um, so, you know, co-invent, um, co-found, if we're going to go that far and take something out of the lab or out of a, an invention into, into the marketplace. Um, co-locate, we've just talked about. Co-invest, so where we're actually putting finance and, 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 and backing things together because we reduce the risk individually that way but we also achieve scale um and then in terms of networks cambridge is there's something magical about the place i don't think anyone's quite put their finger on it ever um but co correlation correlate or or correlate if you want to use that word you know we we correlate pretty well in a place like cambridge and that's all about relationships yeah um whether it's one-to-one or whether it's in a group or whether it's one group versus another group and I think Bradfield here, um, ourselves at the centre in Trumpington Street and, and a handful of other lo- physical locations around Cambridge are ideally placed to do that oh. um, because people like to do stuff over a cup of coffee Absolutely. Uh, or over some other excuse to interact, not necessarily with the strict purpose of innovating yeah. or, or building a company. <laughs> it's innovation um, time. <laughs> Punch the clock. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. No, no. Um, and so although in a business school, you know, we have to be... Um, careful that, that we're, we're teaching people to be disciplined in the way that they approach their entrepreneurial endeavor yep. uh, that's important you can't have a scrappy old business plan that you pitch to an investor and expect them to take you seriously mm-hmm. um, but it is equally important that we allow ourselves the freedom to create and be inventive and discover things even if that's discovering that we had no idea that this could be a business but why don't we do this yeah totally and we buy into that completely and there's some really subtle things in the terms of the way that this building is designed and hopefully the kind of culture and atmosphere that we have in the building it's it is just that kind of that concept of just putting smart people together in the same space so magic can happen yeah we're, we're very much a petri dish with a revolving door i think so. <laughs> that's exactly what i love about the bradford center by the way mm. that literally is exactly it you mm. nailed it yeah so bruno do you have any events or anything coming up that you'd like uh, our audience to know about oh um well, I've just finished uh, doing some judging or contributing to the to the judging for the Science and Tech Awards, um, which we did last year. And, and this year, unfortunately, the, the circumstances mean we haven't been able to create a, a physical event. But I'm looking forward to that. And I enjoy doing that because, as we just discussed, you get to see that promising talent um, put themselves forward uh, for some of these awards, everything from from AI to med tech yeah. uh, to tech for good. Um, and so I'm looking forward to, to seeing that. And I've just finished writing a, a short feature uh, for IQ magazine, which I know you have here in the Bradfield, because yeah. that's where I first noticed it when I got <laughs> to Cambridge. Um, and that's there we're trying to explore entrepreneurial mindset. Um, what does that really mean to people? Um, and how might we look at that in 2021 from our point of view at the center? Uh, and one of the things we're doing, which is a bit of an experiment, and you know, we, we touched on this experimentation and the, the, the enthusiasm in Cambridge to try something out, even if it doesn't work, you know? And, and failure is, as we know, a stepping stone to success. And we do need to embrace failure as much as we do 
uh, achievement and success. Um, and so we're going to be working with a futurist in residence. We have mentors in residence. Uh, we have coaches and other people, practitioners from the community working with us and our entrepreneurs. But I've got uh, a colleague of mine who I've worked with before. Mm. Um, he uh, doesn't have a scientific background, by the way. He, you know, he's an author uh, and a philosopher, if you like, okay. and a writer. And with that in mind, we're going to explore um, beyond where we've got to so far in Cambridge. So, so it's well documented, uh, the Cambridge phenomena, yep. which you know, Charles Cotton and others have, uh, have published on um, from around about the 1950s, 60s through to about 2010. You could argue we more or less understand where we've got to now in the present day 2020. But what about the next 50 years? What does that mean for the scientific frontiers in Cambridge, mm -hmm. which we are so good at pushing forward? Um, and what does that mean for the business frontiers in Cambridge, um, which for me is entrepreneurs, it's entrepreneurship. Yeah. Those, those guys and girls are pushing forward the business frontiers. Um, so we're trying to look at that with a, with a very long term horizon, explore that a little bit with some of the stakeholders in the community here, uh, find out how people's journeys have actually gone and to what extent do those entrepreneurial um, traits uh, or, or states of mind uh, how have they influenced their journey so far and how might they change as we look ahead for the next 10, 20, 30 years? Uh, if you give yourself that much freedom to think ahead, oh. interesting things come out. So I'd love to know more from you know, the community both here at the Bradfield but also elsewhere in the ecosystem. Uh, what has been their experience and what do they see uh, in the future, oh. the, 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 the really long-term future, you know, 5, 10, 20 years out? So that sounds really interesting. How do people get involved? Uh, well, re reach out to me directly. Uh, I'll, I'll put my details in that article I mentioned, uh, but also, you know, come and join us here at the Bradfield office. Um, if, you know, that's one place you can find us now yeah. or back at base at the Trumpington Street office um, uh, from the new year. Perfect. Bruno, it was lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for telling us about what's been happening at the judge and also thank you for coming to the building. We're really excited to have you. Thank you so much, Adelina and James. Pleasure to be here. few of things that uh, Bruno said I, I was really really pleased to hear um, one of them was when he talked about we must embrace failure as much as we embrace success I thought that was fantastic to hear that especially from um, Cambridge University Business School because um, a lot of people in Cambridge sometimes seem to think that we have to be perfect all the time we have to get it right every time um, and I'm I was really, really um, delighted to hear that they're moving down into the trenches in the science park um, and having an office here in the Bradfield so they can be a, a bigger part and a closer part of the ecosystem of actual real companies in Cambridge. Um, so for me, those are real signs that the university is, um, is opening and uh, delighted to hear that they wanted to do things together rather than in silos. So um, I was yeah. very excited about about next year. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because Bruno obviously mentioned the first time that we met and it, it was almost like a cliche. It was, it was serendipitous because we hadn't planned to meet. We just kind of bumped into each other in the atrium uh, here in the Bradfield Centre, didn't kind of know who each other's were, but we ended up, you know, obviously starting a conversation and, and talking about what we were trying to achieve here. And you just immediately realize when you're talking to someone that shares a similar kind of philosophy in terms of being open, being collaborative. He talked about having that serendipity of being co-located with entrepreneurs and bringing students into this environment. So, you know, it's just nice to when you find someone that has that same outlook and the same approach. And I think it's a great fit, the, the partnership that we're building with those guys. Oh, 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 oh,
you so much to Bruno Cotta for being part of the show today. And also thank you to Carl Homer of Cambridge TV for producing this show. You can listen to uh, previous episodes by searching for Inside the Bradfield Centre on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Amazon Music or by visiting bradfieldcentre.com. Mm-hmm.